0: that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're watching this, it's good for me. It's going to be good for you too. Today we have a very exciting program. Usually, before I uh, interview somebody, I take the opportunity to take a look at their Twitter timeline, see what they're talking about lately, and see what's you know what what's motivating them and. In this case, um, this would have—if I would have looked, this would have been the last thing I would have seen. This tweet here, Malcolm, uh, a little bit rough, on a somebody who should have known better, starting up with him. And I'm going to talk about that, maybe not too much, but I think I better share the screen. I'm not going to read it, I'll get—I'll get banned too. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the only.
1: Malcolm Flex, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had to give myself a round of applause, you know, just uh, kind of like walk out to the virtual stage. There we are. There we are. There we are. There we are.
0: Malcolm, you are um, an interesting personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides the fact that I'm intensely jealous of your incredibly deep voice, <laughs> uh, not to mention the, the pecs. My God, look at that guy. <laughs> look at that guy. Um, I think this would be, you're one of those few guests who I'm going to ask to explain
1: the Malcolm Flex story. Who are you? Who am I? Well, I guess now since I've been (laughs) depersoned, but once upon a time, I will unravel a yarn for you where a young individual, very much outspoken about politics, started out, I want to say, several years ago several, several years ago. Started out as liberal, entering college. Wasn't really that big into it, but you know, just enough. I think during the advent of Black Lives Matter, I was like, okay, you know, I, I can kind of see this, but you know, I also see the other side of things and very centristy. I was a centrist from the beginning, but still, you know, default liberal. Then I started to move a little bit of um, right of center as you know, Black Lives Matter started to take off and the politics around everything started to get a little bit crazy. Obama wasn't fulfilling a lot of his promises, bargains. And, you know, I was observant enough to notice it. So then it all snapped when I finally got involved on Twitter and I actually became a bit of an anarcho-capitalist. And I actually created a large-scale group that is now defunct after one of our members got themselves killed like an idiot. And, but uh, again, that's that's the story.
0: What kind of a group was it? Was it a, you mean, was it a Twitter DM group? Um, not even a Twitter was group. It, was it a, a street gang? Was oh, it a no, no, football no.
1: team? Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. We hadn't gotten to that. It was about 300 strong, just individuals of a, a voluntarist kind of ideology. And, you know, we would share ideology. We were planning on organizing real-world meetups to think about how we could canvas and, you know, enlighten people by leaving using flyers and campaigns and things. So, what do you all have
0: in common besides general agreement on your politics? Were you about the same age? Were you a lot of guys
1: no, black? No, I was actually the youngest. At the time, I want to say I was like 23 or 24. And, you know, again, it was all just politics. And we had and caps we had and comms had anarcho-syndicalists you know mutualists everybody else just kind of under that anarchic spectrum basically we all just wanted to get together and say hey if we want to make this happen we got to do what the libertarian party is doing we've got to create a general platform show people that it can be done that you know personal responsibility and the nap can govern again i was young idealistic at the time so <laughs> I still
0: now you're thinking. old now you're old and cynical
1: yes yeah, oh, you, <laughs> you know took the word else? right out of my mouth old jade cynical. <laughs> the, the uh the bronze age of 28 and i am Whew. you're a, you're over the hill uh, you gotta learn how to just cruise like me from this point on i, I do i do i'm i'm finding the cruise control buttons it's a uh, it's a little bit of a newer car that i'm in now so I'm, i've got to get familiar with the the controls but yeah that led me over to uh the twitter sphere and something a lot of people actually don't know is that I was actually um, one of the early progenitors of the Hotep movement during its peak. So I actually became tell
0: listeners about Hotep because mm. a lot of Ron Coleman uh, fans don't get it or maybe are intimidated by what they've seen, and not every Hotep guy out there is necessarily someone I want to hang out with either. But that's yeah. true of any that's true of any
1: group. Can you take a minute and explain the concept? I can. I can. So Please do. again, understanding hotep is, is a little bit interesting because there are so many different variations, flavors, and offshoots of what we would call hotepism. So I'd say the branch that I kind of was a part of, and it's not even, this is unspoken. It's almost de facto, not like, you know, de jour, or, you know, it's a spoken rule, but I was more of the mainstream the Hotep Nation, the one that the banner at Hotep Jesus pretty much claimed. So this was the more mainline Hotep movement. You've got a lot of individuals in Hotep. They all go by the Khmetic ideology, this whole ancient Egyptian, you know, returning to a state of Black nobility that, you know, pretty much originates back out into, you know, Southern, kind of uh, Southern Central Africa, that sort of idea ideology. So it's comprised of a lot of Pant you know, black nationalists, pan Africanists, a lot of individuals that are Hebrew Isra- Israelites and, you know, some NOI individuals. It's really this interesting conglomerate of a bunch of African-centric ideologies, all tied together by a string of conservative values. And that's where, again, a lot of conservatives and hoteps found common ground was because, you know, they're, they're fairly conservative in terms of outlook. But the issue is, there are a lot of other wedge issues and, you know, just different flavorings and things that just don't fit into modern discourse or that are pretty much ident- identitarian in nature. But unlike, you know, the, I guess you should say now embraced identitarians, it's a little bit different because they they don't use that whole identity sort of thing to try to shape policy rather They use that as a, a uniting factor amongst themselves and a call to do better. So that was, that's the positive of it. So, so if you were to ask what's the difference between
0: Hotep and nation of Islam besides Islam,
1: what would be your answer? Hotep is a lot broader barrel or it's, it's kind of like a cone and a funnel. So Hotep would be a much wider collection. So it's like it starts out very big. The entry to the funnel is Hotep. Then NOI there's a very different like out outlet spigots. And I'm not even that I'm not even that well versed when it comes to NOI because I never got into that. But NOI would be basically like one of these tiny little spigots at the end of this very broad funnel. So Hotep is a lot more broad in its tenants that you just mainly believe in just Black self-improvement and, you know, to an extent, preserving the Black community, rebuilding Black fatherhood, that sort of deal. And there's a lot of other, again, little spigots that you can find yourself fitting into. So broad banner versus tiny banner.
0: All right, Malcolm. Well, I, 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 um, I appreciate your taking us through that uh, through that little digression because I think it's more or less... what. Well, but I understood the uh, the answer to, to my question to be. Um, so I suppose now, back to what you were saying, you, you actually were kind of one of the early guys on Twitter who kind of moved Hotep
1: along? Yeah. At some point, you know, I came in probably, you know, the movement had already had its uh, core players. I know uh, we share a group with, uh, I guess his name is not Adonis now on Twitter, but he was actually heavily involved. There was a lot of... know just key figures Uh, again hotep jesus and uncle hotep being the core players hotep jesus was actually the creator of the original mainline hotep movement and hotep jesus kind of came along ali as uh you know we called him pretty much he came along and brought his marketing expertise and helped sort of you know proliferate and catch that core group of individuals and then i came along you know i was attracted to it because at the time i was very jaded by the current state of black affairs, which was this whole victimhood, you know, police brutality, we getting killed all over the place. And it, it didn't gel right with me because I still, I felt like anytime I tried to have a conversation with people about personal responsibility, okay, but you know, these are the things we can do to improve our chances and improve our standing. People didn't want to hear that. They wanted none of it. And so when I found a pocket of hotel, I was like, okay, you know what? I can kind of job with these guys, you know, this is good. And it worked for a bit and I actually ended up, you know, getting getting so heavily involved that we had an election and I actually ended up winning the vice presidency of the Hotep movement with Hotep Jesus basically existing as the shadow player behind that somehow still again profiteered off of most of our exploits. So did <laughs> it Oh yeah, yeah. That's the interesting saga again. There's a reason why I left, and it's a whole long, long, long saga. It ends up
0: kind of getting involved with multi-level marketing, right? And and these, mm. you know, this whole and this is the kind of thing that I see it a lot among black guys who, you know, who I encounter in the conservative part of Twitter is that there's a lot of Ed Lattimore. There seems that someone's always selling something. Yeah. Okay. And you know that I, I don't I don't know if we necessarily have time for that, but you use the word profiteering, so that kind of made life. I'm I'm not saying that Ed's doing anything wrong. I think he's a real match
1: from what yeah. I do. Oh, dude, Ed is Ed's awesome, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with profiting. It's just that you can't let profit become your only motivation. Otherwise, then your movement is basically a front group to line your pockets, and that's what ended up happening. And that was where again we just had a, a core divergence, and I left the movement. And, you know, after that, you know, I think the mainline movement, the Hotep Nation movement fell apart and just became Ali and Uncle Hotep as it is. And now that, you know, rather than an actual structured group, they've just got a, you know, they've got fans and it's them, the key personalities, which is arguably a more streamlined way to run a group. To be honest rather than having you know hierarchies and structures and you know positions especially
0: if you're all you're anarchists or anarcho anything right you know these yeah, yeah. Proper rules of order you know, mm-hmm. are not not exactly a, you know uh, consistent with that ideology Definitely. all right so now we're, we're we're past the hotep your hotep moment
1: mm-hmm. and you start developing your own persona to a large extent oh yeah Yeah, that ended up taking off real quickly. I didn't even realize it was happening. But, you know, I started to uh, get in contact and, you know, just start sitting in on lives and becoming known to a lot of who we would call the conservative power players today. People like Jack Posobiec, Will Chamberlain, Mike Cernovich, um, Raheem Kassam. and, And, you know, Ian, Miles Chung, a lot of them, it was just sort of a know falling into place and I started to become recognized and you know unique perspective but then it's like but hey this guy's also black and it's like but hey this guy's black but he's not like milk you know he's not so milk toast that he doesn't appeal to black people like he's black but he still keeps the black flavor and, and he's also not one of these fake black accounts mm, oh god the first Manny, yeah I know that's that was a fun one
0: I am sure that I've fallen for some of this myself is that you know even Guys, you know, conservative guys want to show that we're, you know, that we're, we're down with the revolution, you know, and a cool black guy's picture shows up in, you know, he follows you and you say, oh, this guy looks like, you know, guy, you know, he's not necessarily the kind of guy I would necessarily follow him to, based on, you know, following him, uh, and, and you know, it, his influence or status. And uh, you know, he's a black guy. Let me do a little, a little um, affirmative, a- voluntary affirmative action on, you know, on social yeah. media. And how many of those turn out to be, you know, fake accounts or fake black guys?
1: You know? Exactly. Yeah, man. The key, to, the key to that is you always got to look at their replies or, you know, tweets and replies to actually see, okay, like does this guy actually interact with a larger segment of black guys, or is he only engaging with conservatives? And you know, what what are his non timeline wall interactions look like to really see whether or not they're genuine? So. Yeah, that was that's interesting because you know I didn't fit that mold, and I also didn't talk about racial politics a lot. Like I really had a very uh, you know I had an interesting penchant for geopolitics, um, financial matters, again science. So it was it was really a mishmash, and it just created you mishmash, science, right? In- yes, but I, I mean,
0: without blowing your not very deep cover, uh,
1: what, uh, what what kind of work do you do? So research pretty much. I am a a multi-purpose researcher. Um, I actually interface with a lot of CROs that would like to conduct research using a patient population. And I serve a a couple of different roles normally. Sometimes I'm in the lab, you know, just depending on what kind of study I'm working, if it requires me to actually go in the lab, do some, you know, collect samples, process, work with the samples, you know, take them through whatever measures they need. And then send out and extrapolate whatever data needs to be done. You know, that's the general, general idea that people have of research, but I also do a lot of the more technical aspects, which is handling the administrative aspects, you know, interfacing with the different IRBs, a lot of data monitoring data, you know. All right, hold on.
0: CROs, I figured out chief research officer, Mm -hmm. but what's an IRB?
1: Well, clinical research organization, but, um, um, the IRB. This is medical research? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I'm not in I'm not in bench work or academia or any of that. I could not. So, um, again, when you're working with human subjects, you actually have to have an IRB, which is called the Institutional Review Board. And so, what they typically do is they actually will number one evaluate the scientific me- merit of what you're doing, making sure that you're going by again a lot of fail safes that we have in place for conducting human research as well as just, um, you know, just general compliance and documentation, making sure that you got signature, making sure you're informed consents are actually informed cons- uh, you know, when you're consuming people, they can actually understand it. Um, there's a lot that the IRB tends to do and there are very different forms of IRB. So, you know, in a lot, when you're dealing with a lot of companies, they'll have, they'll go through what's called the WERB or the Western IRB, which is a more commercial IRB. And the benefit of that is that you can pretty much, you know, they, the average IRB probably meets once a month and they've got X amount of studies that go on within an institution that they have to actually share, talk about, table, discuss and all this. Whereas Word, they only exist to allow companies to basically have an IRB sanction their research. So that's, you know, and then there's also things like CERB, there's a, there's a whole lot to the world. Of, um... All right.
0: So that stuff creeps into your timeline because that's the work you do. That's the lens through which to some extent you see the world. I mean, you don't have decades and decades as a lawyer or as, you know, as, as a researcher, so that you you know, the challenge of getting outside your own box in evaluating things hasn't necessarily overtaken you. So you're still a fun follow. Uh, and then you're, you know, you're taking off on Twitter and you're, you're developing this unique persona. I mean, a little bit rough edge. Sometimes you got you got um, banned a year, almost a year ago to the date. It was August of last year.
1: Yeah, I know. And what was that one again? Remind me. That was the whole copy pasta where um, what's his name? Ben something that works for uh, CBS News wrote this piece and called us all Russian bots, even though I had a banner with myself. I'd made prior videos showing myself actually speak, and it was interesting because a lot of conservative because we were doing that to make fun of somebody that was obviously a bot. You know, Patriot Jay and I we we actually got to the point where we were like, "Look at this guy! Is this guy serious? This guy right here? This guy's grifting! Come on, come on! Let's let's go ahead and take that same thing. Let's do it." Then Jake Coco got involved, and a lot of our followers got involved, and we just all had a whooping good time with it until. Unfortunately, conservatives actually uh, started reporting us, too, because they were so confused by what was going on. And then liberal You're doing then, too good of a job of simulating a bot. Oh, my God. It was, man, we, were, we had the beeps and the boops on cue. You know, we were, you right. know, <laughs> binary code on. Um, it was fun. It was fun until, you know, until it wasn't.
0: Uh, so, and then they, brought,
1: they got you back and you and you and you, you came back. Oh, man, did we come back? It was it was a comeback of all comebacks, man.
0: And all right. So now, look, you mentioned Jay Coco, and you mentioned Patriot Jay. Mm-hmm. I've been given clearance to mention the hateocracy. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time for us to let the world know through the Colman Nation podcast who really controls things on the internet.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Tell
0: the guys about tell tell the people about the hateocracy.
1: So you have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. Now, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to go boondock saints on you there, but um, yeah, no, the hateocracy was an interesting idea because at first it was just an impromptu group chat of us where we just all got together and just laughed about the one troll that we did on the internet. But then it it grew, you know. I started I started recognizing the potential of it, and you know, if you haven't noticed the theme, one of my core abilities that I've never understood why i have because i'm actually fairly introverted is being able to create groups and bring people together and you know that's something that i ended up doing i was like you know what this is cool let me go ahead and start adding a couple more people because man this this is actually a cool group of conservative personalities and you know maybe because you're an introvert
0: you're more sensitive to the kinds of interactions that work for you mm -hmm. as opposed to people who are just you know like a politician whatever Mm. comes along they'll kiss any baby you know yep you're a little more selective and now it's and and this is a dm this is a private dm group which means that all conversations in the hateocracy are open to jack dorsey who i'm sure doesn't give to boots and this is you know there's two sides of this dm stuff i mean people are always dming me with their legal issues now that's a problem Mm. i always tell them listen Here's my email address. Okay, let's start this conversation from scratch. You don't have an expectation of privacy, but people who are hanging out and talking, you know, I'm I I'm not yet aware of anyone having a problem because of stuff that came out in the DM. On the other hand, it's not it's not private, but we do have a lot of fun. Um, it's both, and of course, we're all bodybuilders. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: I know, I know. You guys inspire me daily.
0: <laughs> the- I mean, it's how many guys in, in, in are, are, are not, you know, workout guys besides me, you know, besides
1: me. You know, it is actually, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people have picked up working out like Adonis has, Jake has, you know, of course it's me, Matt, um, Dave, you know, of course, Dave, man, he's built like a tank. I remember he went on Timcast. That was one of the things people remarked. About. Whoa, this guy's built like a tank. Lobe liner, you know, he's. Yeah, a- lobe, how about lobe liner? <laughs> Yo, the, man, is so funny meeting him. I grew up watching Mark Loebliner. Let me tell you, that was one of my early fitness inspirations back when I was a pudgy preteen. So to end up- Of course,
0: I don't bring that to the table, but I bring the name of a, of, of a workout legend to the table. Big Ronnie Coleman, of course, Ronnie, for those of you Ronnie. who are not, I know. You know, with, with the issue. All right, so here we are having our usual, you know- the in and out threading in and out sharing <laughs> silly tweets and silly replies and mm-hmm. you guys are good sometimes when i want something boosted a lot of people there are big influencers so that's good and then one day someone says they got malcolm i know they got malcolm and that, that was that you know you, and i had we had begin we had been noticing in the last week or so that you were getting mighty ragged <laughs> 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 was anything going on in your personal life or like, what was it that you were getting really harsh? And we were, pre- people in the group were predicting that you were going to, they were, you were on your way out and you
1: finally hit that, hit that button. It's it's interesting because I, you know, when I do a reply, something like that, like I'm never angry. That's the funny thing about it. You know, some of my most savage replies come from me just like looking at a guy's profile pic buffing, but busting out laughing and, You know it's interesting i do it at first it was just me being defiant when i first had my counter ratio you know my first counter ratio attack i was just having fun with i was like you know what conservatives normally people put their account on private going to shell i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna have some fun with it so i just started replying to everybody just with the first thing that came to mind it just sort of became a person a defining trait that i i became that roast guy and I just perfected the, the uh, craft. And one of the key things is if I have to look at somebody's profile for longer than, let's say, five minutes to come up with something to say, I pass it. So look at all the replies I do. You can tell. We can't. We can't. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're gone.
0: They're gone. And they're probably gone forever. The art. Now, I will tell you that the hateocracy has urged me to mm-hmm. beg you to find a way to come back. You know, and I said, I would pitch it. I actually told them put together a video and I'll throw it up on, uh, you know, but they, they're a bunch of lazy guys. They, they, they didn't put it together, oh, but, I but um, you're missed. I will tell you. So let's right. talk, you know, the subject of this, of uh, the, 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 Coleman nation podcast is supposed to be, to, you know, eventually I, with every guest, we talk about, about freedom of expression and cancel culture here do you you think you were banned for saying something nasty like anyone else would have been banned for saying something nasty or do you think you had a target on your head because you're a conservative
1: influencer Oh I can already tell you I had a target on my back and you know it's actually I uh, probably in retrospect it was because I had just did a segment with Kara on uh, One American News and, you know, I think that was the uh, scarlet, that was a scarlet letter. That was the sign. Hey, this guy's getting a little bit too big. You know, he's too feisty already. He's got the, you know, he's got the um, the look, the intelligence, you know, okay, we got to do something. And it was on a post where I was actually talking about why we should defend Nick Quintez's right to speech that I ended up getting attacked by these, uh, these same people that would end up reporting me. And, you know, that was and that. That's the irony. You know, I wish I had the, the the
0: gift handy. That's bait right there. I know. <laughs> when when you get in, when you get into one of those super hops, so you know they they also got um, the Gab account, wow. the official Gab account, because and they said something actually nasty.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, they said, um, "Why? Let me see if I can find it." and this was actually a little bit distressing to me because i used to represent gab and i know these guys and i do know that they were a little bit hot-headed but this was really unnecessary and it doesn't mean i think it's okay that they got kicked off i I actually am against that here we go um the tweet was why should jewish supremacist organization decide who can who can be on 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 social media i think they're referring to the adl now i i trash the adl all the time yes but i will tell you as a jew if the adl were a a jewish supremacist organization maybe they would have a job to do Mm. but they are as a democrat talking points supremacist organization Uh, but that was a nasty tweet and and they're gone but and that's but but you know i guess my my point is that I am, um, you know, I, I I do think that there are certain issues when that, the, the, like you said, first is the profile. So you you know, is is there really is there a list, you know, color coded list, and you were maybe on the Auburn, you know, on on the yellow
1: list. I moved myself up a little bit, a few tears.
0: and then and then like look for that moment when he steps over the line. But here they didn't, and I do think they do try to find a non political way, like for example, yes right so if they can say you're using multiple accounts or you're gaming this you're gaming the, the program that's better for them than using it explicitly but but i mean i could have i would have no problem finding email uh, finding tweets every bit as nasty and personal Almost from left-wing weird. accounts
1: yes and they've been directed to me as well mm-hmm. you know i mean i'm sure they have been to you Yeah, that was what prompt, you know, that's what prompts these. uh, I don't, I don't attack anybody unless they attack me first personally. And that can be insulting intelligence, insulting looks, or just saying something that's just out of pocket. Normally I'll try to at the very least just give you a little bit of a condescending answer if I feel like you're responding to me in bad faith. And the reason why I even got to doing that was because you can't have good faith arguments with these people. You can't talk to them, and at the end of uh, an exchange, meet in the middle and come with a good, like, okay, I see your point, but I disagree. That never happens anymore. Nowadays, everybody's trying to score points for the tribe. So I was like, you know what? If the game is already dirty, then screw it. I'm going to go full camo. I'm going to get in the mud. I'm going to be the dirtiest SOB you guys have ever ran up on. And it worked for a long time. It was. I mean, you you were getting, well, when you say it worked, it worked by achieving what? Oh man, I cultivated a very—you know—it's to cultivate an attitude amongst conservatives. That I feel like we need, which is become a fighter. You know, why are you sitting up here cowering when these people knock at your door and sit up here and like, oh, you're just doing this? Uh, imagine if it were the other way around. Like, I get so sick of that. At some point, you've got to realize that you're in a war. You know, it might be a war of words, it might be a 4D war, it might be an informational war, but you're in a war. Decorum and coo- you know, being coof and expecting a referee to come save you doesn't work. And, you know, my timeline, they, they took on that personality. When I started, you know, one thing that you notice that whenever, ever I get into these spats, the people on my timeline are probably a little bit more vicious than I am. Like they're fighters now. So let me, ask you, that, though, let
0: me ask you a tough question. It's a question that people ask me too. Let's say that we're achieving these things in terms of the Twitter battles. Mm-hmm. Does it translate into anything beyond twitter when we change the way people look at how to have these engagements
1: can i tell you can i tell you how many times that i've been stopped in in public and somebody said hey are you malcolm dude i love your stuff man yeah yeah man you you don't you don't take no for an answer because it's more than 10 and right then and there again it's law of averages i may not capture every single body with my message but if I can get at least 10 people to take up that message, and they can get 10 people, and they can get 10 people, and their people can get 10 people, eventually it does happen. That's how movements start. You're winning That's hearts small and minds. Spark. Hmm? Winning hearts and minds. Yeah, and you have to. And for, you know, If you want to cede the control of your country, then don't try. But if you want to do something, you have to start small sometimes. Sometimes it is just winning a Twitter battle, but sometimes it goes viral and does things. Now you're off. Now you're off the battlefield. I know. I know. Miscalculation, unfortunately. But, you know, while I might have leadership qualities, I've never fancied myself as a leader. I'm I like to be very gritty. I like to be in the thick of things. I hate sitting back and, you know, maybe it's maybe it's for the better. I don't know. Okay, so in other words, <laughs> yeah,
0: probably not, right? No. I think I think that the, the guys should give you time to figure out where and when and how you you reappear. I mean, I don't see you know when I when I wanted to replace the Twitter timeline as my chief, you know, at least starting point for research on you. Uh,
1: there wasn't all that much out there. I know. I know I'm a, I'm a relatively hidden guy and that's by design. Well, it makes sense also because you are still using a, you know, you know, I'm sure that daddy and mommy flex are very proud of you. Oh yeah. They all the, all the time, because I mean, outside of Twitter, even in life, again, I'm, you know, I'm well above the median income for my age range and that's, and you know, I've got quite a few career accolades in my relatively young career. So I've done, you know, I've done pretty Do you think good. he was a black
0: guy can get away with more than a white guy could in terms of being a conservative? I don't, or is it the opposite? Maybe it depends on the environment you're working in.
1: It's, I don't know. It really sort of depends just a little bit more. For me, anything that I do is going to be more magnified because I'm one of few. For a white guy doing it, he's going to be, you know, they'll attribute it to the whole phenomena of conservative conservativism. Whereas black conservatism—that's hard to say—is a much smaller pool of people, so I will stick out more. The things that I do will stick out more. They'll probably make headlines more readily, you know, more readily than the things that a white guy will do. But at the end of the day, you know, the things that the white guy does is pretty much going to be like almost attributed to the whole movement. So it's going to reflect more so on the movement, whereas. What I do reflects more so on me as kind of an anomaly, if that's you know if that makes sense. So, I think it
0: does. I mean, to some or, extent, I I can share that experience because I'm an Orthodox Jew in the conservative movement, and although there are quite a few of us, many of them tend to be quiet mm-hmm. um, for lots of reasons. Right. Uh, it's a you know it's a it's a different flavor of sticking out. But I mean, people are now listening to this and saying this is a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. And when this podcast is over, how, you know, how I do know. I get more? What can we tell
1: people? You, you know, are you going to find a way to get back into the game? Uh, I'm still trying. And here's the thing. There's a uh, difference in accepting but not bowing down to your fate. I've yet to bow down to my fate of basically being the platform, but I've accepted it. And, you know, I do know that it happens to some of the I best. I cannot people.
0: tell you how important that is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have, I know some very prominent people. I don't want to name names because I've been known to represent at least one of them mm-hmm. who it seems has lost the will to live yeah, because of this. And if, if that's your whole life, I mean, listen, I've got a nice following and it, you know, being online is a really important part of my life and it's an important part of my practice. I get a lot of clients and I got a lot of referrals for clients through it. And I like having the ability to speak to people about yes. things and to persuade them and to win, win a harder mind from time to time. But every day and especially at least once a week on the Sabbath, I'm reminded that this is not, this is, it's, 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 I can't say it's not real life because everything that we're doing is real life. In the, to the extent that anything in this world is real life, this is real life also. These yeah. are real friends. People, you know, mm-hmm. you absolutely could. I remember there, there are people who I had never met in person who, when we met each other, uh, we, we hugged. You know, we, we, there's real genuine affection there. Yeah. So you're right. You have to accept that, nonetheless, if it happens,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if the plug gets pulled on you, you might want to think about how you make a comeback. But you, your ability to go on can't be dependent on that.
1: Oh yeah, no. I've uh, you know. And again, I understand I'm not norm. There are a lot of people who, you know, they get a taste of the fame and they want to chase the dragon. They want to get back on it. You know, they they start really craving that endorphin hit that they got from seeing those numbers. But at the end of the day, you know, they're just you know, they're numbers they their representations of what you can do in your actual community if you put your mind to it. Yes, it's more accessible on Twitter. Yes, it's more accessible on Facebook, Instagram, whatever platform you choose. But it's, some, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a representation of the potential that you have to really add that same amount of following and clout and whatever whatever you've amassed on the platform to your real life. So go out there and do it, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm and I'm entirely confident that you're going to do that. Whether we see you again soon on Twitter I, it, it is almost besides the point. You know, the, the best case scenario is to be, you know, if you're, not, if, you, if you're not on Twitter, nonetheless, they're still talking about you on Twitter. You're I doing know. stuff.
1: Pull up me- that Jack sobic tweet. And that was, uh, you know, that shocked me that it was over 8,000 people that liked it. And, you know, just all of the, all the big name blue checks and whatnot that still, that now have found me on Instagram that, you know, are like, hey, when are you coming back? When's your suspension over? And, you know, just seeing all the people like, no, holy crap. And you know, again, within earshot of Nick is banning, it's my it still made such a wave. Like to imagine something like that really tells you, man, I did that. That that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but then, that, oh,
0: so you're making actually a little bit different point, which is which is fascinating, which is that by virtue of being uh being being suspended. You were able to actually get a sense of
1: what you meant Mm. to the people who were following you. Yeah. Yeah, man. When you're algorithmically suppressed (laughs) on such a regular basis, you know, It sounds like something from your research. I know. Algorithmically suppressed. We should actually look on the uh, mental effects of algorithmic suppression on conservative, not even just conservatives, because that's, <laughs> that's incorrect. Conservatives aren't the only people that are suppressed. Granted, they're the uh, canary in the coal mine for it, but they're not the only people. But that would be something to study, is the, the effects on the mental states of those that are just suppressed, because it does do something. You know, you start to question your worth if you don't have a very good sense of who you are and you know, you're very externally motivated.
0: Now can I can I throw up your your Instagram page? Oh yeah. Go right ahead. Malcolm underscore flex48, right? Mm-hmm. Because that guy doesn't look exactly like you look right now. I, know. So I want, I know. you know, I don't want to be, I don't want either of us to be embarrassed. The camera is <laughs> That's you?
1: Hold on. Let's see. Flex
0: your success? Yes.
1: There you are. 48 little posts. Come on, get with it. No, that forty eight is a great number. I'm I'm actually not going to post anymore. I want to keep that forty eight. Oh, I get it. It's perfect, <laughs> It's perfect, man. That is like, funny, I know. man. You are I am a
0: mad lad. You are a mad lad. <laughs> and we we love that about you, Malcolm. You? I, you know the hateocracy is not the same without you, and neither is Twitter. You, I'm sure you're going to one way or another. You're going to reappear. It's great talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope your meeting earlier today uh, was another s- smashing
1: success. It was, it was a lot, um, you know, a lot less exhilarating, but you know, <laughs> it went
0: well. let's stay in touch by all means. And, uh, maybe when, you know, more interesting stuff, the time comes to talk about it, we'll do that okay. and, uh, let you look, you learned a lesson. When I was your age, I didn't have the opportunity. There was no Twitter. There was barely an internet. Did you guys have cars? We had cars, but you had to. You, your feet would come out of the bottom of them. Right? Oh, so you had to... yeah, But you really had to be in shape if you like, want to high highway speed.
1: So that's that's when that's when we got to see God body Coleman. That, when... <laughs> in those that days, man. Body of I God. was
0: so so ripped. <laughs> oh,
1: man! All right, buddy. That, that's what a career in law does to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks for taking the time. All right, Ron. You do the same. So. Long.